Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone. I was trying to get the silence to take the background noise out, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. It's fine. Yes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Screen Heroes episode 109. I am Derek, one of your weekly hosts. I have my other two hosts with me, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. Hello. And it's just the three of us. Yeah. It's been a little while. Boring. It is boring. Seriously. Yeah, I agree. We are more interesting when there's other people. Yeah. So uh, tonight we are going to be talking about a bunch of different news pieces. Yes. Hopefully interest to you. And then we will be reviewing uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. That'll be the last 10 minutes of the podcast? No. It'll be more than that. We have to give our spoiler-free review. Then we have to talk spoilers. And then we have to grade it. That takes at least 15 minutes. Oh my gosh, you're right. uh, Now we'll talk about that uh, in the second part of the episode. Of course. Uh, Right before we started uh, recording, though, we were talking about Supernatural. It got renewed for a 14th season. Which sounds like fake news to me. (laughs) But it's not. It's not. It's 14 seasons. 14 seasons. I I do not know how they built a show on sex appeal on CW marketed to teenage girls. You realize that like at this point somebody could have started watching this show in kindergarten. And and then as a graduating high school, the show is still on. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a thing. That is a thing. That is the math. That I'm has pretty to sure. Be... I'm not a math expert, but I'm pretty sure that checks out. They have to be getting close to some sort of record. Like, I can't think of any other dramas that's been on 14 seasons. Dramas? Dramas. It is considered a drama, because for mean, the most part, it's a horror show. Probably not... one of those medical shows that I never that's watched, true. like ER? Grey's Anatomy or ER. Yeah. Maybe. I'm yeah. sure yeah. one of those. I still don't think even like ER was 14 seasons despite so how either. long it was on TV. And with the original cast intact, like yeah. neither one of the main characters have been replaced and uh the other two that have been added, Mark Shepard and um Misha haven't been replaced either. So Yeah, I mean, you think about like the biggest sitcoms of all time. Friends got 10 seasons. Seinfeld got 9 seasons. Scrubs was 9 seasons. Scrubs was The Office was 9 seasons. Parks and Rec was 7 seasons. How I Met Your Mother was 9 seasons. So even getting the 10 is a huge accomplishment, let alone now 14 is just crazy. And I feel like, I mean, they did the Scooby-Doo crossover, so they're out of ideas at this point, right? I I don't know. (laughs) Pretty soon they're going to cross over with the Arrowverse. Ooh! If you're... Get Constantine with them. Diehard fan, and you're still watching it. It's probably because you watched for the one kitsch episode every season. Like a couple seasons ago, they had the first musical episode, and they sang Kansas. It's very moving. Not even joking. I did wow. this. Um, I believe you. If if you want to jump on board, I say watch the first five seasons. That was the creator's intent to have five seasons only. And he stepped down after that because he planned a very contained story from start to finish. He had a skeleton outline for every season, and it was really good. It has a lot to do with angels and demons and God and the devil, and I love it. So uh, you can cut it off at season five if you want. <laughs> so I, I was just curious, so I looked it up, and if you take out like the big crime dramas... Right, because Law and Order went 20 seasons. Law and Order SVU is on season 19 and still going. Um, Lassie had 17 seasons. Wow. Which That's seems incredible. How many Lassies were in there during that time? Aww. 547 episodes of Lassie, which just seems amazing to me. Across seven different Lassies, probably. Um, ER, 15 seasons. Was it really? Okay. 15 for ER. Uh-huh. Um, Did not maintain the same cast, though. Completely that's, different that's cast true. at the that, end. And Grey's Anatomy also like cycles out the cast. So Grey's Anatomy is on 14 right now. Okay. So I guess that would mean if it was renewed, that would be for 15. So they're one year ahead 
of, of supernatural. Of supernatural. Um, but uh, Bonanza had 14. Dallas had 14. So there you go. So none of these are, like, particularly great shows. I mean... No, like, the greats you start getting to around, like, 11, you had Cheers, Frasier, Married with Children, MASH, The Jeffersons, Seventh Heaven, and Happy Days all stopped at 11 seasons. Those are pretty iconic shows. Some of them. I mean... Yeah, I would take you know, Seventh you know Heaven all out of those. I know right? of Seventh Heaven, yes, but... But you never watched it. I wouldn't right? have called it iconic, but... I would think, though, that the fact that you can picture in your head what that show is, and you've okay. never seen it, implies that it's somewhat of an iconic show. It's something, yes. so, yeah. So you know that. I don't think you can be on television for more than a decade and not leave some sort of small cultural impact. Unfortunately, Seventh Heaven is now associated with Jessica Biel, who has a decent career-ish, and the so, pedophile yeah. father. So, yes, yes. You know, before that, it was, hey, it's all these white children and the two washed-up Star Trek actors. So. She said it. I didn't say it. That's true. I guess, I guess it doesn't count. But it's true. You know, uh, the dad was in the first movie and the mom was in the fourth. So yeah. Look at that. You've, you've learned well, Padawan. Uh, thank you. Seven <laughs> minutes. <laughs> let's talk about some other news. Supernatural aside. So, so okay. Uh, let's talk Fox for a minute here. The two X-Men films that were left on the slate for 2018. Well, I guess one of them already been pushed, but they were both delayed again. New Mutants was delayed till August of 2019. And now Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, has been pushed to 2019. Yes. Surprise, your Dark Phoenix is not good, and they're not confident in it. I mean, that's not really what it is, but, well, it's something I mean, about it the reshoot. Be. It's the reshoot. Somebody, I can't remember, I think it was on Slash Film, somebody, there was an article that said that some of the principal actors, they were all not available for shoot reshoots until uh, September or August of this year, something like that, and that's not enough time to do all the, you know, follow-up digital work after that so and okay that's it. that that's makes a ton of sense so then these could be totally normal reshoots that not the new mutants bad... the same no, yeah, said the new mutants yeah yeah no new mutants they were cr- like a... they're reshooting 50 percent of the movies supposedly right. and they're adding a adding whole other character, character trying to make it scarier yeah but if if dark phoenix if that was that's kind of interesting. It might be normal reshoots with just abnormal scheduling problems. They do have an insane list of people. If you look back at first class, these people were not as big as they are now. And Jennifer Lawrence does about two to three movies a year. So does James McAvoy and My- Michael Fassbender. If you want them part of your film, you should probably just schedule the reshoots right after. Yeah. That's well, they have, they have to go to test audiences yeah. to show it and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of logistics, I imagine. And that's, I know, with, I think with New Mutants, that's what happened. It went to, to mm-hmm. audiences and they said, we got to do something different. Apparently the studio thought it wasn't scary enough. Yeah. So. so That's just absolutely ridiculous to me. I don't think it needs to be a horror film. I think when you're dealing with the purifiers, they are absolutely scary. And don't get me wrong, I love the idea that people are taking inspiration from the Westboro Baptist and making them horror villains. <laughs> but... <laughs> The X-Men doesn't need a horror film. Though. I think they're trying to do something like what they did with Deadpool. That was a genre-breaking film. Something that hadn't been done in a superhero mm-hmm. style before. And, like and Logan as well. Logan and Deadpool. Yeah. Both. And uh, So yeah, I th- I'm get- betting that that's why they're just trying to get as far away from the mold as they can and go pure horror. Okay. Uh, I'm, I don't know. That's... I can respect that because, let's face it, Deadpool and Logan or at least in my opinion, are the two best Fox films. Yeah, they're the two most successful, for sure. You know, just from a straight monetary standpoint and audience rating standpoint. Yeah. So it's hard to argue against that, right? So if that's the plan is, well, let's do something in that vein, but in a different direction, I understand that argument. Well, and really, we're all kind of a little burned out on super the traditional superhero flick. We're all going to go see them every time. Yeah. They're, you know, the formula it starts to get a little stale after a while. And let's face like, Marvel has a formula and they stick to it. They do not branch out. At least Fox has tried to branch out yeah. for the last few movies. So I have to respect that. And, and New Mutants could have been uh, just another generic 
It could have been. Superhero movies. And I guess, like, when it comes out, if it ends up being great, then no one's ever going to think twice about the decision to delay it and do all the rewrites and reshoots. Right. Right? But if it comes out and it bombs because it's terrible, then you're going to wonder what the original cut was like. It's going to be another Justice League situation, yeah. Yeah. Except it's not as popular because not as many people are as invested in New Mutants as they are in Justice League. Very. And you're not going to have the same controversy over, like, you know, a director Director. quitting versus being fired and then bringing in a well-known director. Right. You know, all that kind of crazy stuff. Um, so I guess we'll see. I mean, I'm much more interested in New Mutants than Dark Phoenix. The Dark Phoenix story, to me, can't be better done than what it was in the animated TV show. They had five episodes to do that over. That's, you know, two That's and a good. half hours. Yeah. So I don't believe it's going to get told properly or any better than what it was in the TV show. And at this point, I've already seen it. Twice, and the second time with Bomka Johnson was kind of awful. So there's a million more that I'd rather see. A million more storylines. Yeah, they've like, been around a long time. There's a lot of X-Men storylines, but for some reason they always go back to the Dark Phoenix storyline. And Jean it's... Grey is cool. Yeah. But she has better storylines. And... and there's other characters mm-hmm. to explore. We don't need to have a Wolverine story or a Jean Grey story in every single X-Men movie. Absolutely I mean? right. You know, Storm has a very rich background, and I believe a Storm film would just dominate after the success of the Dora Milaje and uh, Wonder Woman. I, I think a Storm film would just be incredible. And Alexandra Ship, I'm sure she could hold her own film. I don't know, but you could do both her and Holly Berry in the same film at different times, and I'd be fine with it. Sure. What else do we have in the news? Justice League released this week on uh, Blu-ray, DVD, all that mm-hmm. stuff. There is a fan cut now online that supposedly makes it a much better film. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched it, but several fans, uh, friends of mine that are fans have watched it and said it's much better. Um, it's used some of the deleted footage and things like that. Footage from the trailers mm-hmm. and whatnot that may have gotten deleted. Um, so, yeah, it's out there. Interesting. Yeah. I'd be interested to see it. Just you know, I, I feel like you should definitely watch it because you're a big DC fan. Yeah. and you were disappointed in Justice League, so you know I haven't bought it yet. If that tells you anything, well, I think a so. lot of people are waiting because they didn't say they were going to release the Snyder cut, and we don't know if it's going to happen. But I, they wouldn't have announced it before they released the Blu-ray or this version because they want everybody to buy this version first, and then also buy that <laughs> next cut if it comes out. You know what I mean? I mean, so there's an argument. For for that and against it. For that would be the way Disney handled Star Wars The Force Awakens, where they released it and then six months later released the 3D version. Uh, but against it would be how they handled BVS. They just released the ultimate cut yeah. initially, and you could buy either version from the get-go. So I don't I don't know. Part of me feels like there is no sniper. I, I'm pretty sure there's not. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't make much sense in the sense of how a studio operates. I mean, I have no doubt that the movie was fairly close to being done. But they, the effects but, were never yeah, finished. Exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Nothing was ever polished. And they're not going to bring Snyder back in to finish it no. based on, you know, the fact Especially that... Especially if it's true that they fired him. Right. Yeah. And if you're on Vero, I think it's called, the uh, he, he has always been on Vero and has always shared stuff on there. And he's posted a lot of things, a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, photos and things like that that you can't really see anywhere else. And... And he's had some kind of uh, thrown, been throwing some shade at, yeah. at the old uh, Warner Brothers. So you know, nothing outright, but liking specific tweets on Twitter and you know mm-hmm. things like that. Kind of, I'm I'm sure I do believe that he wishes his cut of the movie was finalized and released. I definitely believe that. I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, unless something drastic changes at Warner Brothers executive level, like tomorrow. Yeah. You know, then, which is not going to happen. Right. Exactly. So, Shazam Watch 2018. There's no new news this week. I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was a disappointing week. A little bit, yeah. Shazam, yeah. Um, I guess from uh, Avengers, we've got a bunch of new posters. They are doing their Some best. Some new TV spots. Also. Yeah. Uh, I've avoided those. I don't want to see any. I haven't actually seen them. I've just seen some of the memes from them. That's about it. Uh, My favorite thing about the Infinity War marketing so far is the fact that they're throwing characters together who have never talked before, who have never starred in a movie before. They're making them cross 
has. Now, whether they do in the movie is completely a different story because you can only put so much into one film. But the fact that they're playing around with the design and the posters, or it, I'm having fun watching that. The um, I mean, we did get to see in the one the newest trailer, one of the trailers that interact uh, Iron Man interacting with Star Lord, which was mm-hmm. an interesting, you know, one yeah. of those things we haven't seen those two interact before. And Doctor Strange and Peter Parker. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, that was great. So too. we're using our fake names. Yeah, which there's been about a million memes about that out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, uh, that's probably my biggest thing I'm excited about for this and whatever the next Untitled Avengers movie is, is that they. Uh, get to see those characters interact. I really want to see Groot, or not Groot, uh, Rocket, like, take apart parts of Iron Man's suit and be like, what are you using on this piece of junk or whatever, you know? <laughs> I'd love to see Black Widow and Okoye, like, sharing fighting styles because they have two completely different types, but they're, like, really great warriors. And yeah. maybe they just show each other different kicks and, like... That'd be cool. Maybe with... You just want you, a lot of training montages. You throw Gamora yeah, in there, Yeah, just Rocky training montages <laughs> the whole movie. Oh, my God. Yes. I'm would, so okay with see this. That make it, yeah. With the Even, Rocky I want to see a Thanos training montage, too. With him, like, using the gauntlet and the... Just Photoshop I, him in over Drago. The Drago music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That'd be great. How come no one has done this yet? Right? Come on. New project for the HBA. Like. Right? Just get some shots of Josh Brolin. We can measure his punch uh, PSI with yes. the Infinity Gauntlet. I love it. Oh. This needs to be a thing. Right? I need somebody with, with mad skills to, to make this for me. Um, that would that would be awesome. You'd probably have to pay them. Dirt. You are so excited. You're kind of blushing. I like, want to see it. It'd be so you're great. You're a little aroused. A little like, bit. <laughs> I thought I saw the table over there. Looked up. Rocky. That was in, the nips. Rocky <laughs> Infinity War. It's gonna be awesome. That's the real time. The real biggest crossover <laughs> of all time. Like I said, my the part I'm enjoying the most is seeing all these characters interact, and I want more of that. I know for a fact that I'm gonna watch some of these people die in front of me, and. That sucks because we're going to skip like all the fun little moments they should have and go straight to the death. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lot of ground that they have to cover in this film. A lot of characters that need screen time and probably won't get it. Like th- there's okay. a meme and out there. <laughs> there's a meme out there right now where somebody just wants to see Steve go grocery shopping right, and buy milk and get really upset that milk's $4. Uh, have you seen the meme where they Scooby-Doo Thanos and pull the mask off and it's Hawkeye <laughs> underneath? I haven't seen that. And I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling Avengers. <laughs> I, the memes are like my favorite part about the whole thing. I do like how the, the Russo brothers have use the Hawkeye oh, poster yeah. as their cover art on Facebook. Oh, now. Really? Yeah, it's <laughs> been discovered that they're, they're Redditors. And so, cause they posted before they uh, did the infinity war, the second infinity war trailer, the first full trailer. Cause the first one's a teaser, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. This no, is the world. We're not going to get started on that. <laughs> but they posted something on their Instagram that was uh, like a little emoji doing like a worship and praying for the infinity war trailer that people had been posting all over Reddit. And so it kind of came together that the Russo brothers were Redditors, and so they've been kind of teasing Redditors That's with, nice. like, the Hawkeye thing. Was That went to the front page of Reddit immediately when that happened, and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it is cool to see yeah. that social media and the internet has kind of brought directors to a level where they can directly interact with their fans. You know, the guy that's doing Shazam, uh, he's on Reddit and posts stuff all the time, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it, it is cool that... The age we're in, we can yeah. still have that kind of stuff happen. I appreciate having a sense of humor about your films yeah, too. Yeah. You know, not everything has to be super serious. Um, some things should be right. Like obviously, if a significant character dies, that scene should be pretty serious, right? right? But well, look at Thor Ragnarok. I mean, it was not serious at all, and that was the destruction of Asgard. So yeah, I mean, it had serious moments, That's true. right? But the overall tone of the film was different. And so I appreciate having a sense of humor about what you're doing, and they seem to have that and. It makes me want the movie to be better for them, if that makes any sense. Well, their Captain America movies are the best of the three Captain America movies, so... Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, one arguably Winter Soldier is one of maybe two films I can think of that actually transcends the superhero genre. It's and, so good. Yeah, it's, it's a really a great, great movie. Spy film. That and The Dark Knight, I would put those two transcend the genre of a superhero movie, and that's about the only ones I can really think of. As well, much yeah. as I love... I don't know. Yeah, that would be... I could debate that one for sure. Okay. But, like, even Spider-Man 2 and X-Men 2, which yeah. I love and are some of the best superhero movies out there, they are 
comic book yeah, movies. That's it. But yeah. they were the first examples of a great comic book movie. They proved that we could do these stories on the big screen with respect and gravitas yeah. instead of just us poking fun at them. And those but, kind of movies had to come before the movies that what? end up transcending. They, Spider-Man 2, for example, it proved the genre right. rather than transcended the genre. Exactly. They legitimized comic book films. Spider-Man 1 was almost there. Yeah. It was yeah, almost. It was like, honestly, if that Green Goblin costume hadn't been so divisive, there's a good chance it could have been. But since so many fans just hated it and just trashed it, then I think the second one really had to go that extra mile. And um, I, I love the way Raimi handled it because he's like, you know, you're going to trash my Green Goblin costume. Well, I'm just going to make Alfred Molina half naked for most of it. You right. know, <laughs> just deal with that. Well, <laughs> Nobody we cares. Love, we all love Raimi at this sure. table, so yeah, it's I true. can't say anything bad about him. No, not really. Uh, Spider-Man 3? Not his fault. That was not. That it's was not. his. That was his middle finger to the studio. Yes, it's true. He was. sabotaged that film because he was tired of the overlords. Right. Right. So like, I know that you know movies, movie production companies have been screwing with films a lot recently, but it's not a new thing. That no, production companies have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, go back and read all the interviews with the. Very, very first Fantastic Forecast, the film that was never fully released and we've only seen like clips of here and there. Well, there's a you bootleg know. out there. You can it, buy it. Right. And stuff. I've actually only ever seen stills from it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen a couple clips. They're like, it's terrible. And it's because <laughs> the network or the studio just wanted to push something out so they yeah. could make money <clears throat> off of it. And it's. Well, and sometimes it's a rights thing, right? Where a production company feels like they have to rush out a film to retain the rights to something yeah. so it doesn't revert back to whoever. You know, that's that happens all the time. That's yeah. a real thing now, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm almost convinced that's how the second Ghost Rider was made. The one where he pisses fire? <laughs> Literally, actually pisses a stream of fire? Yeah, that was... That was embarrassing, Nick Cage. What like, did you do? Listen, I kind of like... I mean, the first Ghost Rider is one of my guilty pleasures, to be honest with That's you. Fine. And, you know, I know it's not good, but man, I just love Nicolas Cage. That scene where they're both writing at the end right? is so good. And I'm like, Sam Elliott, why did you waste your last ride on a montage? I even like He the, just leaves. <laughs> I even like the scene where uh, Nick Cage is first transforming into the writer. He's I like doing that Bruce Campbell thing where yeah. he's like looking crazy and yeah. You know, I even like that. I liked the idea that each of the villains were like this element god kind yeah. of thing. That was that really was cool, cool to watch them like fight and work with the special effects. But not a good movie. In oh god, I mean, why was Eva Mendes even in that? <laughs> maybe we should save Ghost Rider for another time. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, any other news pieces we want to touch on before we move on? One last thing: there was a rumor that. Uh, DC was finally going to release Aquaman trailer this last weekend and James Wan very uh, defiantly tweeted that uh, he's not releasing anything until he's happy with what's in front of him so it, it I feel like the studio said that started that rumor so that maybe they would get James Wan to do something but I mean, it sounds like something WB would do. Right? right. A few executives sat around a table like, you know, it'd be really cool if we had a trailer for WonderCon. And then well, they asked, and Juan's like, we're not ready for a trailer. And they're like, well, we're going to tell people you are. <laughs> so... You better get ready. Right. So, right? It sounds like something that Warner Brothers would do at this point. But James Wan isn't taking it, and it's too far into it. It's not like they can fire him now. Right. Don't say that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you've, seen, you've actually seen Warner Brothers do that. I mean, I, I can't imagine it's much farther along than Justice League was at the time that Snyder was fired. They're done shooting. Like, it is just special effects now. And Well, Snyder was fired. But all Whedon's like, stuff was reshoots, essentially. Because Snyder was fired at, like, end of March, sometime early April, right? Is when he left production for a movie that came out in November. Well, it's the end of March now, and Aquaman comes out in December. Fair enough. So, okay. you know, just from a timeline perspective. Okay. We didn't talk about Captain Marvel confirmed having uh, Clark Gregg and oh, uh, Lee Pace 
Which and is Jamon Fusao. Yep. Yeah. So that's not nearly as big of a name as the other two in the Marvel universe. So for those who don't know who that is, in Guardians of the Galaxy One, when Star Lord says that his name is Star Lord, and the guy who goes, "Who?" That guy. <laughs> yeah, that's how everybody knows him. Look at his IMDb; it's very impressive. Oh, he's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. I'm sure. Amazing I'm just talking in terms of the Marvel no, universe. Totally he played right. a very, very minor role. He is a very underrated actor. Like ten years ago, I wanted him to be Green Lantern. Oh, that'd be cool. But you think he's too old? At this point, yeah, he is a lot older than he actually looks. He's in his 50s. Um, so it kind of depends on which Green Lantern they're going with at what time. I don't really care if they do, you know, race swap on Hal. It doesn't matter to me. But I guess if he's if they're bringing his character back for Captain Marvel, then he's probably still under contract, so he's yes. not going to be in a DC movie anyway. Lee Pace I'm the most excited about because I thought that Ronan was heavily underused and underdeveloped and just kind of, you know, stereotypical. Marvel yeah. villain, forgettable Marvel villain. Very forgettable. I'm excited to see Clark Gray. I was going to ask, are you guys excited um, to see Agent Colson? I know you're yeah. not a big Agent S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. But I love but, him. I like yeah. the actor and I like the character. And I was kind of sad that they hadn't brought him back into the movies at any point, given that he was still, quote, alive. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm excited to, to see that and curious to see what his character will be like since this movie is supposed to take place in the 90s. I don't think this is anything too special, to be honest, because they've done this with both uh, Dominic Cooper as Howard West, as uh, Howard Stark, excuse me, and uh, Haley Atwell. So it, this yeah. is cool. This makes sense, and I'm okay with this. It's a good excuse to bring him back, but I, I mean, I still think they could have brought him back in the movies anyway, since yeah. he's around, right? But, uh, but anyway, I honestly think that it's really unfair that Coulson's been alive for like six, seven years, and Cap doesn't know. Like really unfair. Yeah, you would have thought that. And Stark. Like. Yeah, you'd think Tony would have just somehow hit Jarvis would have figured that out. But I guess Jarvis doesn't really, not Jarvis. Um, What's his new computer called? Friday. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Played by Jennifer Connelly. Which is awesome. Paul Bettany's real life wife. I'm good with it. She's got a good voice. I think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So, um, Alright, so let's move on then to Pacific Rim Uprising. Yes, the reason why we're here. So um, I'll go over the box office information, which will actually include some stuff about Black Panther because I have a couple of interesting notes about where it stands at this point. Um, and then we'll give our spoiler-free reviews before taking a little break um, for you to, to stop if you don't want spoilers. So, uh, came in at, uh, Pacific Rim did, uh, came in first place opening weekend. Not a whole lot of competition for it um, at this point because Black Panther was in its sixth week in theaters and that's what came in in second place. Um, so, Pacific Rim brought in 28, just over 28 million domestically. It did bring in a lot internationally, uh, 122 million. So, it's already made back its initial budget. It's at 152.7 and it cost 150. So, um, internationally, if you look at the full numbers, that's good. Obviously, domestically, that's not great. Um, but there's not really much competition. Black Panther made just over 17 tomb raider which is only a week old now made just over 10 and a wrinkle in time is down to just over 8 million so kind of a weak box office for march um, with the exception being black panther which was i honestly think it's a little bit of burnout there was a big release every single week for the past i know i'm feeling the burnout a little bit on it (laughs) one more week to go just one more and then we get a break (laughs) until infinity war Yeah, right. We'll take a break until Infinity War. Yeah, on movie reviews at least. Right, right. Um, So, you know, that's kind of interesting. Uh, To compare it to the first movie, which is where things are are kind of bleak, the first movie had a larger budget, had $190 million instead of $150, and it made basically $102 domestically its opening weekend, and over $300 in the foreign markets, which meant that it broke $400 million opening weekend. Uh, which means that it basically made about 27, 28%, you know, of what it did of the first film, which is not great. We have um, theories about that. I mean, there's pretty good reason why it didn't make that money back. Yeah. I mean, the the smaller budget, I don't know if that's noticeable, but obviously... I didn't see that at all. But the fact that it took six years to get this movie made... 
That's a good point. And uh, Charlie Hunnam and Idris Elba are not returning. Obviously, Idris yeah, Elba. Idris Elba couldn't. <laughs> they killed off his character. Right. Yeah, that would have been um, a, sh- a shock. I think. <laughs> but, like, there's not too much reason why they couldn't work around to get Charlie Hunnam back. There's. Yeah, that was weird. Like, that's your character. He doesn't have to be back for very long, but you make your production around him. If you want John Boyega to be your main character, you could still do that. Just There should have been... Well, we'll get into it. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it. Um, but I, I just want to touch on Black Panther for a minute, because I have one little gripe with Marvel Studios and Disney about how they released Black Panther now that I looked at the numbers. So it's now made... Basically one and a quarter billion dollars in the world in just six weeks. It surpassed the original Avengers now and every, for total box office. Which is crazy. I mean, that's uh, you know the first big ensemble film and movie that most comic book fans and movie fans have been waiting for for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's now the top grossing MCU film. It is the second highest domestic MCU opening that it ever had, just barely behind the first Avengers film. And here's my gripe. It opened with the 11th most theaters, which means 10 other MCU movies got to open on more screens than Black Panther did, and Black Panther still crushed everybody. And I just find that interesting. It's only going to hold this record for a couple weeks. weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's definitely true. But for a solo film to do that well it's incredibly impressive and it had the cards stacked against it they i mean i think marvel was a little excited about it but let's face it they did not market it well we stopped seeing stuff for it and started seeing stuff for infinity war around you know november so i i honestly am really impressed at the viewers in this case because they made the movie successful yeah and if Infinity War doesn't beat these numbers, Infinity War failed. Because that means 10 years of movies have meant nothing. Yeah. No, it won't. It'll hit those numbers. It, yeah, I mean, e- even if everybody who like everybody who liked Black Panther went to go see Infinity War because Black Panther and some of that cast is going to be in it, then it makes that much money, right? So I don't think you're really going to run into that. I think the big question for Infinity War is, does it hit $2 billion? That's the big question now, because it's supposed to be right. It's it, that's the idea is that this would be this would be the first two billion dollar film. There's never been another series of films that have had ten years in the making to build up to something like this. Certainly not with that many movies. I mean, this is movie number nineteen. Yeah. So, uh, but that's that's the box office stuff. So let's go around and do our spoiler free uh, thoughts takes on Pacific Rim Uprising, Ryan. It's fine. That's what you said about Tomb Raider. Yeah, just a little bit more. <laughs> just a little bit more. Um, I mean, if you really loved the original Transformers movie, you'll probably like this. I don't so, know. Do you mean the Michael Bay one? Or yeah. The, okay. Yeah. The first one with Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, you'll probably like this. If you just want to see uh, giant robots punching monsters, you're probably going to be a little disappointed. Okay. Right. I kind of disagree with that last sentence. Like, <laughs> mechs versus monsters does not have to be an intelligent or good film. I knew what I was getting into when I sat down in that seat, and it delivered on the mechs versus monsters so, part. No, I was saying on the amount of mechs versus monsters. Oh, I thought that there was... Like, we can get yeah, into that more, yeah. but there really wasn't a lot of that. If you have movie. a quota, then maybe it won't meet it, but... Fair enough. If you're going to a movie that you know is not going to be good, but you know it's Max versus Monsters, and that's what you're in for, then you better damn see some da- uh, some, some Max, Max versus, versus Monsters. monsters. And yes, there was a little bit. But... I mean, that, that's a that's a fair statement. Uh, yeah. In the end, <laughs> it was a fun movie, not a good movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I liked it I, for what it's supposed to be. I, I thought that in some ways it was a more interesting movie than the first one though it does does have less of the giant robots versus giant monster fighting that that ryan alluded to um but i liked it quite a bit i liked the new cast a lot i liked the kind of the direction that it took and some of the the things that the trailers don't show i think were a lot of fun and i would like to thank all of the makers of the trailer for leaving that stuff out 
Absolutely. Because I want to say this, regardless of the movie, like the movie, don't like the movie, I love when a trailer does not give everything away. Just in general. I'm a big fan of that, and that's something that I appreciate when that does happen. And I do want to say I did enjoy this movie too, so. but it was not not a good movie. Fair enough. We're being critics as well as viewers. Yeah. So, alright, so this is your spoiler warning at this point. If you have not seen Pacific Rim Uprising and you care about spoilers, give us a pause, go see it, and come back and continue the episode. Um, I will say that... Well, let's, let's ask this real quick. Now that you've seen it, do you feel like the first movie is a requirement to understand what's happening in this one. Absolutely not. John Boyega's character wraps everything up in the first 30 seconds. I think you can go into this without seeing the first one. I think the first one's a better film, and you should see the first one, <laughs> but that's just me. Any? I mean, I would pretty much agree. Okay. I, I, don't think you, I don't think you have to see the first one, but you're really doing yourself a disservice because the first one was the better of the two movies. Yes. So going and seeing this one and not having seen the first one, I mean... If you like this one, then you're really going to like the first one, probably. <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I just wanted to point that out. Because because it's Pacific Rim Uprising, and it's basically a completely different cast with a few exceptions, I think some people might be unaware that it's a sequel. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's dive into the spoilers, and at this point, you've had enough time to pause, I think. So where would you guys like to start? Scott Eastwood is the most forgettable white man on the planet. He was such a cookie cutter character with a cookie cutter face. And like you could have swapped him out for any white dude and it wouldn't have mattered. I kind of felt like that was the point yeah. of his character because he's it, not supposed to like, be important. He is Scott Eastwood. His dad is one of the most memorable actors to ever live. Do something with your face, please. Like, emote. <laughs> Have I mean, a purpose. Yeah, but we don't really know, like, what he was told to do. I think this is what his character was supposed to be, was just help drive the plot forward with exposition, right? And be there to get out of the way when he needed to. Okay, so when we saw Independence Day Resurgence last year, yeah. we talked about how they needed three characters to <laughs> fill the shoes of Will Smith. They used one character to fill the shoes of Charlie Hunnam, and it was bad. Charlie Hunnam's a much better actor, he's more charismatic, and he would have brought more to this role. This was supposed to be his role. And oh, was it? Come on! Come on, that was his part from the first one. It was just more snarly and by the books. And like, Okay. I, I didn't see that, but that's interesting. I hadn't considered it. I thought it was the exact same thing. As Independence Day research. <laughs> My problem wasn't with any of the actors, really. My problem was the lack of Guillermo del Toro. The things that I thought were innovative and more fun in the first one were really lacking here, and the visuals were different. They didn't feel the same. It didn't. The whole movie didn't have the same fun feel as the first one, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, uh, Stephen tonight. If you don't know, he I only really know him from um, season one of Daredevil on Netflix. He's been more of a TV director, and I think that kind of hurt the movie. Mm. Uh, there was a ton. It was it was super plot heavy, yeah, which I think was a major problem. They were trying to establish this universe very quickly, yeah, and it was super exposition heavy. Um, the first ten minutes are just narration and. Because you, John Boyega had to not only wrap up the first film, but tell you what you've been missing in the ten years since. And it was just unnecessary. Like, I get it. You're having parties and carcasses. <laughs> well, that's why I thought maybe they were assuming people wouldn't see this as a sequel and will have, would have skipped the first one. Because they basically do a recap of the first movie in the beginning of this one. Which usually sequels don't do. But they That's had fair. six I years since, so they had to do something. They had to acknowledge it. I mean, maybe. I don't know that they had to. I think there's a lot of times where there's a gap, especially recently, where there's been these like reboot sequels where they the don't do The longer you that. wait, the more you have to refresh the memory. I mean, Anchorman 2 refreshed your memory and gave you a lot of exposition at the beginning. Just... That had a 10-year gap. Like, that is a, a terrible movie. <laughs> like, not necessarily the best example, but... Crap. I couldn't even make it through the whole thing. I, I did finish it. Um, okay, so... Yeah, I, I think that... I think the cast was fine. 
right? I, I liked uh, I like John Boyega. I like him. Yeah, he's just super charismatic. He was great. I mean, in anything you could put him in the crappiest movie and he would stand out. I mean, it's yeah, John Boyega. He's great. And I like the uh, the lead lady, uh, Kaylee. Do you know how to pronounce her Kaylee last name? Spaney? Is that Spaney? the little girl? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I actually, like, I was more invested in her storyline than I was in any of the other storylines. I loved that she built her own, like, little Mac. Super cool. At the <laughs> age of, like, 14, 15? The only problem with it was, like, it was super predictable. As soon as you saw this Mac, you knew at the very end that Mac was going to be the one that yeah. really does something to save everybody <laughs> or, you know. Well, so yeah, the... They gave that mech a name, and they kept it for later. So, yeah, it was definitely coming back and yeah. being the underdog hero. And Right. And I didn't think it was until they brought it to the base. Oh, really? Like, like as soon as it showed me that there was this little mech. Uh, see, when they yeah. left, when they like, left, oh. I was like, they're just going to leave it. And then when they brought it, I was like, okay, well, obviously, this is going to be used at some point, right? No, when they did their best to explain it, that one person could drive it, that it could roll, like, yeah. I, I knew it was coming back. They were focused yeah, on that whole chase scene thing. You know that pretty much gave away that there's you have to know that this thing is capable of doing this. So it's, it's not like for a the payoff later. later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I didn't really look at it that way. I just assumed it would be used for something later. But um... can we talk about Charlie Day's character because the story of him was so good in this film? It, I like to me it, the the Geisler the fact that he was you know, possessed by the precursors, it came out of left field. I was not expecting it. I thought it was really well done, and I enjoyed that. I think out of all the plots that was in this film, I think that was my favorite one because it's it was so unexpected. I really like that part a lot, actually. Um, I thought you. Ryan did, didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm going to say that right now based on what I can see here. Uh, but I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a cool way of tricking who we thought the villain was because you're, you're set up to believe it's this other tech company yeah. that's the villain right and they want to shut down the jaeger program and all that other stuff but you know that just seems a little petty and small for a big budget film so there had to be something else going on right so here i am thinking like yeah they're going to sabotage the jaeger program but then the kaiju are going to show up and destroy the drones and the, the jaegers are going to have to win the day just like the first film and that would have been redundant but they didn't do that. They they switched it up a bit. And I like the idea of like cyborg kaiju, which is basically what the drone kaiju things were. That ended hybrids. up looking cool. I like that. I thought that was a really fun way to change things up because otherwise it's the same stuff. It's giant, the same giant monsters with the same giant robots. And at least they got to mix it up a bit here by having these new hybrids and you've got, you know, these this me mega mega kaiju that was the megazord of kaiju i guess well, like it lost me when it went to megalomania on a rooftop just pushing buttons on a remote like that that's when i was like oh he ruined it but before when he was in love with the alien in the tank <laughs> and i was like oh i've missed crazy charlie day like i need to go back and watch always sunny <laughs> he does play the role well but ryan what are your thoughts <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that how to phrase it because the fact that you guys both like that it really threw me off yeah uh, I mean I feel like they just needed someone oh, and that was the only someone. well I mean they just needed they had this idea for the kaiju brain or whatever the kaiju organ or whatever in the in the um, in the Jaegers and they just needed someone to be able to put that in there and that that his character got picked and he was way out of his acting range. I did not buy it at all. <laughs> like, this is not a character I believed that he would, like, I didn't think, I didn't buy it I had all. to suspend my disbelief in the first one. They were like, Charlie Day's a doctor. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Sure? And that already didn't work for me very well. I mean, so, wait, I, I just want to be clear. Which, which part weren't you buying? The him being the evil mastermind. Okay. <laughs> You know, him effing a kaiju brain or whatever. Okay. I mean, I guess I, that's easier for me to believe. That's why I want to know where the line was. Right. right. I, I don't know. Him being a possessed, a guy possessed by the whatever they precursors. were. Precursors. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. He's just not that type of actor. 
that could pull that off for me. He could. He, he, he I guess I like the fact that it. he was a hero in the first one and a villain in the second. Sure. Well, it wasn't That's... a surprise. Yeah, it was a surprise. I would never argue that. I just I think that the movie would have been better if they went the traditional route that was everybody was expecting and had. Except they had you still used the kaiju body parts or whatever in the drones. And just had that other company that they were obviously setting up to be evil using kaiju parts to make their drones. I think that that would have been a better... I just didn't buy this one guy. And yes, it got even worse when he's on the roof going... And then the, the kaiju looks at him and goes... And walks away. Okay, guys, come on. What, what's happening here? Well, because the kaiju knows who he is. I get that. But oh, it's okay. so dumb. We, 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 I mean, he's that literally on the side of the roof going yeah. like this. That of scene we've seen in a day. lot of movies before. Yeah. Just like megalomaniac on a rooftop screaming at a green screen. Like, yeah, we've seen that. Yes. <laughs> you know? Oh, no, the good guys ruined my plan. How could that yeah. have happened? You know, That's I, I not know. the part I was impressed with. Okay. It was like before that. Sure, the decision to have him be the guy, that was definitely a surprise, but I just didn't buy it. And I feel like going along a more traditional storyline, the first one didn't do anything outlandish with its storyline. It really, was no. Independence Day yeah. with giant monsters and robots instead of aliens and But it and still had the dark, like, goth charm that Del Toro brings to his work. Absolutely. And Denight didn't but the have that. story, yeah, the story was tr- very traditional, yeah. though. And I feel like if this had stayed in that and not tried to go, you know, big plot twists on everybody, I think they were trying. Better. I think they were trying to avoid being too generic without Del Toro, right? Because since you don't have him, you're going to have a more generic tone of but the it film, did. It which didn't work did. for me. That's fine. I'm just saying, I, I think that's and, kind of what they were trying to do. Is, in my opinion, Pacific Rim is the most generic film Del Toro's ever done. It's the most, you know, mass market. It, like, yeah. from an outsider's perspective, like, if you're just basing it on, yes, it's monster, like, giant monsters versus giant robots, then yes, that's a very yes. generic film. But when you watch it, it is not a, gener- a generic film, in my opinion. Right. So I, I just think that with without him at the helm, you're running the risk of it being generic. And so they were like, well, if it's going to be cinematically more generic and more standard, then let's come up with some more unique story threads. Yeah. is kind of where my thought was. Well, to me... But he did write it, Del, too. Del so. Toro always comes off as, you know, kind of the way Kevin Smith did, where he wants to make a movie in every genre. You know, that's why Hellboy's a superhero film... Pacific Rim is a monster movie and, uh, you know, Shape of Water is a love story. And he always puts his twist on it. Mm -hmm. So it's still a Del Toro film. But The Knights lacked all of that charisma that the first one had. You know, this was very stereotypical. So I had to find my movie-watching joy in the cinematics of it all. Because, like, I enjoyed the mechs in this one so much more than the first. I thought they all looked... Uh, very aesthetically pleasing. They were all different. I could keep track of them, whereas the first one I didn't. I, I could really just follow Gypsy, and that was it. So See, I almost feel like what I missed most in this movie was the fact that the Jaegers weren't as grandiose as they were in the first film. Like, when you saw a Jaeger in the first movie, whether it was Gypsy or, or one of the others, right? Like, Typhoon. Um, you know, they were these massive, like, titan giants that we just happened to control and they were masterpieces whereas these jaegers were cool looking but they were very much just like they were transformers right they were just our really cool robots that we happen to have so they didn't yeah they feel... did now that you mentioned that that is a really good i get i i couldn't put my finger on it but that that really does describe a lot of it you're you're definitely right on that that it feels like in the first one, that you were like in awe of these right, things, yeah, and exactly. in this one, it was just like these are tools that we have, and we're using them because uh, they're using them as like police, well, basically, you know, now, yeah. and things like that. So they're yeah, they're not nearly as special as they were in the first movie. I mean, even if you look at just Gypsy, if you compare Gypsy Danger in the first film to Gypsy Avenger, Gypsy Avenger does not look anywhere near as imposing as and impressive as the first version, you know. And you would think that we would have just improved. And don't get me wrong, like, some of the Jaegers had some improvements, right? Like yeah. the giant ball thing or the, the gun controlled by the The one that person. looked like uh, HK-51 from Star Wars, the, the orange and the two katanas. Saber Athena. Saber yeah. Athena yeah. was cool. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah. I like that, you know, they mention that each of them was built for different things. Saber Athena was built for speed. That's mm-hmm. why that one was small and could, you know, 
beat anybody there to their target. And I really liked the way Obsidian Fury looked. Was, yeah, Obsidian Fury was cool. Yeah, that was cool. But of course, like, so they, they, they have another gypsy. And, of course, she's got the sword, but she doesn't have two swords. Yeah. I feel like if she did have two swords, then this one would have a third sword, like, uh, behind its head. Well, their swords could light on fire, yeah. too. And I'm like, really? It's like, we've had fire since the dawn yeah. of time. We can't add fire to our weapons. It was, pre- like, that That kind of made me laugh a little bit, you know, when Gypsy's like, check out my sword. And they're like, okay, and two swords pop out. And then they light on fire. Right. Like, it felt very... Kylo yeah, what Ren. was like a chainsaw like mm-hmm. type of sword. It reminded too. me of the Kylo Ren scene where like, you know, his saber lights up and then the sides go right. out. Right. Really yeah. dramatically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say one thing that I thought that they did pretty well in this film that I, they didn't do as well in the first film is uh, the sense of scale during the fights mm-hmm. I thought was better. Yes. Uh, they, there was one scene where uh, one of the Jaegers gets its head ripped off or maybe one of the drones gets its head ripped off and thrown by, by one of the Jaegers. And uh, you it immediately cuts to a scene of the head rolling next to people, and so you get to immediately see because it's easy to forget how big these things are. Even yes. though you're seeing it fight in a city, it's still the sense of scale. But they did a lot of uh, back and forth between people and Jaegers. On the other side of that, there was zero shits given about people getting squished in this movie. <laughs> they so- were dropping Jaegers from helicopters right next to giant groups of protesters. They were uh, the buildings that they were fighting around. At one point, they go, okay, it's been evacuated. You guys are good to go. But nowhere else in the movie in any other fight did they ever bring that up. I have to say, I am getting sick and tired of these movies not acknowledging that. You know, I I think it started with Man of Steel, just the fact that there's hundreds of thousands of people that lost their lives in in these scenes, and people's movies just don't care or acknowledge it anymore. I I need you to care about the loss of life so that I can appreciate how many people you've saved. Well, one of the cool things the first movie does is it shows people in the shelter underground while a battle is taking place. Mm -hmm. And you can hear it. It's like almost like you're stuck in like, you know, a a foxhole or something during a war, right? You can hear the rumbles and the explosions of like cannon fire and buildings crumbling and like, you, these people could die at any moment, right? right? There was none of that in this one at all. There's the one yeah. scene where you see some people like running into like some like underground thing that's gonna like seal itself shut. Yeah, and leaving a bunch of other people leaves, outside. Yeah, leaves a bunch of people outside who I'm assuming they weren't counted in the evacuation. Right, and that's it. The rest of the time it's just buildings blowing up and cars getting crushed and and things like that. You don't really see any people. So I guess they're gone. See, in in Man of Steel, that wasn't a big complaint for me. Um, See, it was a bigger problem for me in Man of Steel. It was the reason why I didn't have a problem with it in Man of Steel was because he's a brand new Superman. He like he's never been in a fight before. Where he could use his powers, and he tried to take it out of the city. And he tried. He legitimately tried to do these things, and and it didn't work. So he had to do. You know, he had to fight in the city. That's otherwise the, uh, Zod was just going to keep killing people. In this. Like, you know, you're telling me you couldn't have, like, punched the kaiju to go that way or something, you know? So my my argument there would be they've been battling the kaiju at this point for, like, 15 years, 20 years. They should be pretty used to this kind of thing happening and know what to do. That's true. You know? But in any case, they didn't. I mean, the shelters were obviously not Not done in a way that was conducive to saving people. Right. You know what movie handled it better? In 2017, Colossal was released and handled the loss of life uh, issue so much better. Fascinating. Think about it. You know, Anne Hathaway found out she was responsible for accidentally killing a few people, and she lost it. Like, she completely changed her life. I don't know if you've seen season five of Arrow, but when Felicity (laughs) nukes another city... She said for, like, eight minutes, okay? Wow. So it's an interesting point about Colossal. I think... The, the difference, though, is that she she does it by accident, right? Because she doesn't realize she's controlling this monster. Whereas the pilots and the Jaegers are just trying to destroy this giant monster. Just saying. Right? It, it's another movie with a mech versus a monster who cares about the loss of life. Okay, you're, you're that, right. That's right. my only connection I'm making. It's interesting. That's an interesting, interesting point. 
Thank you. Colossal. Good, good dark, dark film. Dark L- comedy. Literally using buildings in this movie to like slow down their Jaegers. Like, yeah, are there yeah. people like in their office? They showed that one no. scene with the with the, the sword going through the office. Well, so, but that was when the Obsidian, uh, Fury. Obsidian Fury showed up out of the blue that they weren't expecting. So there was no way to evacuate people. And so they purposely right, showed that. it going on for right. a little bit because they, they, they had... They're just now bringing out their swords at this point, right? So they, you would think you know. that every office building would have a in case of kaiju attack. Yeah, yeah. Know. I mean, maybe the idea was that nobody knew what to do because there had never been a Jaeger that went rogue in that particular manner before. Which I, I think that would have been an interesting story thread too if they had gone with you know more of the rogue Jaegers instead of the kaiju, or if they had uh, the there's the one throwaway line about how. Um, if you have these type of drones, they're controllable. You know, somebody could hack that, mm-hmm. and they have to make sure the security. That would have been more interesting too. You I know? thought that's where they were going with it initially. Well, they set it up, but, but I mean, I, I would have again. I, th- I thought I think that would have been more more interesting than mm-hmm. what they did. Although the kaiju parts of the thing was interesting, but I mean, I loved a lot of parts of the movie. There are tons of parts of this movie that I really love. I still think the first one is more enjoyable. I think the story in this one was more ambitious and less like Independence Day-ish, you know, but when you put it all together, you know, there, there, there's some weaknesses to it. I, I, I like what they were trying to do. They're trying to set this up for future films because they have the younger generation of pilots and all that oh, stuff. John Boyega wants to that come back. That's a little different. Yeah. Half of them. They didn't. They killed off one. They killed off, weren't there two of them and the one that got like smashed oh no yeah but he came out i guess yeah they just got really beat up yeah they were nick furied it's funny (laughs) that there was like no other pilots jaeger pilots in training in this whole thing that could have piloted they had to give it to like these fresh recruits Mm -hmm. i I mean that's how it goes right i mean you knew that was gonna happen yeah but (laughs) the whole base literally these eight teenagers are the only people that know how to pilot a jaeger that one well they that one woman who was the mechanic, yeah, who just existed to confuse all of us on yeah. which one she's into, like that could have been completely omitted. Yeah. She was so was worthless. A, such an unnecessary storyline and character. All and... John Boyega's jokes about how handsome he was and like how handsome uh, Scott uh, Eastwood, Scott was. Eastwood yeah. was. None of those hit with me. It was like it was not, yeah, not good humor. And also, he's like talking about how attractive he is to like a fifteen-year-old girl. Yeah, that was weird. So that's a it has yeah. some weird vibes there, but whatever. That, that was a little weird. Um, but yeah, her her existence like it, unnecessary, totally unnecessary. They do have a couple throwaway lines about how when the rogue Jaeger kaiju attack, they kill a bunch of the pilots. Like, it's a very small like throw. Yeah, oh, line. so they were tired. Ty- they were killing just pilots. They were like, yeah. we gotta I mean, basically, yeah, kill <laughs> the useless mechanic who's not doing anything. They have this giant machine that's capable of targeting like this one tiny person. That's like a you know, in the middle of a fight. Come on. Um, I will say, I am incredibly disappointed that the one character they do bring back, the one female character, they make her like this commander. She's intense and they kill her off. You knew she was going to die as soon I as she hated popped on that. screen. Though. I, but yeah, it was, it was, I liked her well, in the first one. Mm-hmm. So, I figured they would kill her off. I figured it would be during the climax of the film until she's in the helicopter. Yeah. And as soon as she's well, in the helicopter, I'm like, well, that's She's not going to survive this. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a shame. <laughs> well, because I was super, like, I was disappointed that more cast members were not returning. And when I found out that she was, I was really excited yeah. about that because I liked her story arc. I liked the idea that she really wanted to be a pilot, but she's got this trauma that she has to work through and all this other stuff. I thought that was really cool. And when they created this kind of family situation between her and John Boyega, I was I was excited to see that. They play. had a good play off each other. It, it was very brother-sister-like, which is why I wanted it to continue and why her dying at the end of the film during the climax would have been more emotional. And Because then John Boyega loses his family at the end and it's just gut-wrenching and he has to... Instead, uh, it's in the beginning of the movie and then he eats some Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird scene and, with yeah. this, with like the sprinkles. Yeah, the sprinkles and everything. That was that was a, it was an exposition if scene. Giant That's all monsters it was. like were attacking just your home and nowhere else in the world. Don't you think you would immigrate? I'd probably so. eat some ice cream and put some sprinkles on oh, it, honestly. Okay. Just fair. sit around. That's fair. Yeah. And uh, she get drunk and like float on a skeleton <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> 
Because nobody has thought to clean. I mean, that's the thing is like kaiju in the first movie, all their body parts were super rare mm-hmm. and you could sell them for a ton of money. But you're telling me that they're just leaving all these skeletons. kaiju skeletons? Nobody has like any religious use or, um, or take, medicinal or anything like that? We take extinct animal skeletons that we find now crush them up and turn them into jewelry. Yeah, or you, or like the rhino horns that they were using as yeah. a sexual potency enhancer. I, yeah. I like the idea that some places were just abandoned by the rest of the world, uh, which was the idea of where he was at that place. Right, but just, somebody would have kind yeah. of used the bones or done something I with agree. the bones. I mean, b- based on what was left, right, They obviously stuff was taken because you're not going to, Kaiju's not going to decompose in six years or whatever it was. It was ten. It was it ten years? It was six years in between the actual two films. It was ten okay. years in between in story. Well, e- either way, like a, a kaiju laying on a beach isn't going to decompose to nothing but bone in ten years, right? That Gross. was clean, dry bone with nothing else, right? So clearly, you know, Ron Perlman's group showed up and took everything that they wanted to take. And for some reason, I guess the bone isn't worth anything anymore. I don't. Did they use the bone in the first one for I anything? I don't remember. Honestly, I was wanting to watch the first one before this movie, but I mean, I hadn't seen it, but yeah. let's watch it again. So, okay, so let's talk about Ron Perlman for a minute. Anybody disappointed there was no post credit scene with him or anything at all? I want you to know this right now. If Ron Perlman is not in a movie, I'm already disappointed. Fair enough. Yeah, if he's not going to be in a in a uh, cameo in the new Hellboy movie, I'm going to be sad. Ooh. Then you're right. going to be sad. I know. I know. I'm setting myself up for disappointment. But yeah, I mean, I wanted to see him. He was one of my favorite characters from the first one. He was fun. I wonder why he wasn't in it. Because they purposely make sure to show you that he's still alive at the end of the first one. So I'm pretty sure he has a no Del Toro, no movie yeah, probably. <laughs> policy. I mean, maybe. The thing is, though, it wasn't like Del Toro didn't do it because of a problem with the studio. It was the fact that he was never available and the studio wanted to make a sequel. And they waited six years to put one out. They tried to work this out. So I don't feel like it was a bad blood thing between him and Legendary. That's fair. No, but I mean, it still doesn't. I mean, I mean, I, I just the fact that he may just have wanted to work with Del Toro and had no desire to work with Stephen tonight. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe. A lot of people are like that. Yeah. A lot of people do not. The entire cast of Spider-Man were going to walk if they had replaced Sam Raimi for um, the third movie. Yeah. Franco and Dunst But that's the lead cast, right? That's your whole main group. I'm ta- we're talking about one guy who didn't even need to necessarily have a major like, role. In this case, they made a movie without the cameo. That's it. Yeah, that's In all. that case, they brought back Raimi. Like, it, certain people have certain caveats to who they'll work with and in one case it worked out and one case it didn't i'm not saying that perlman ever said that i'm saying that's probably the more likely situation because he it's not like he's working constantly i'm not disagreeing with you i just i think for you know a couple of scenes that that you know i would have loved to have seen it but i don't yeah that's all it just would have been nice to know what happened to his character it also didn't it it wasn't in china no no it wasn't that's true. Yeah. We should do our letter grades. All right. So that's, that. I guess, yeah, we're a little over time now. So we we can fit. I do, uh, before we wrap up, though, how do you guys feel about the big volcano, super volcano? Oh, God, that's so dumb. Kind of thing. So, Talk about a generic plot. I mean, Rare geez. earth elements. I'm done. <laughs> done. I was much more excited about watching three kaiju become one kaiju. Yeah, like, even with that, like, when all those security drones or whatever leave the building, you know, when mm-hmm. he lets them loose, how how do they have a, a, a security drone that's perfectly set up to combine <laughs> kaiju into a into a giant mega kaiju? It's his back door. It's all yeah. his back door. Oh, so he programmed all these security drones yeah. and just said, oh, they're security drones. But really, they're band-aids for his kaiju. I mean, basically, that's the premise. It's, yeah. That's ridiculous. That may be. I'm no just other this. person in that work there is smart enough to see that these aren't actual security drones. Well, yeah. so the point that he was trying to make was that the the lead woman, she always thought she was the smartest one in the room. So sure, she, but she's not the only one so, working at the end. Well, it certainly room. seemed like nobody else had a voice. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like maybe that was the type of company where if you say something to her, you're fired kind of thing. Yeah, because you're questioning her work and her oversight. Maybe but, you know, but I I was meant more of. So, how do you guys feel about the uh, the Jaeger drop 
Oh, I actually, like, I was all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Just being a, a, a person excited to see robots hitting kaiju. <laughs> yeah, dropping one from the atmosphere into a giant mega kaiju. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that was fine. Yeah, I'm that good with fine. that. That was fine. I feel like it would have done enough damage to where the kaiju would have just fallen into the volcano. Well, but... But... Just a little bit. <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm, I'll ignore physics for this. <laughs> it wasn't enough for a chain reaction. Fair enough. Right? Yeah, that might be what it's it was. just... Yeah, enough for some rumblings. Well, we see, a few islands ended up go, you know, erupting, and you just don't hear about it in the movie. So They don't know why. They don't know why. <laughs> Unexplained uh, mystery of, of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, bef- give your letter grade, <laughs> and then also your chances that you think there will be the third movie that they set up at the end of this one. Uh... C, basically the same as Tomb Raider. C to a C minus. Okay. Um, Chances of a sequel? The odds are not in its favor, I would say. Right? I think it's going to be C minus. And I think if certain people really want to make it happen, it'll happen. But it's going to happen. If Guillermo del Toro will come back, then yeah. If it hasn't even, it'll have an even smaller budget after this. (laughs) That's all there is to it. They'll have to make it with, you know, a pack of Skittles and some Hot Wheels. <laughs> That's your movie, guys. Fair enough. It'll be like Green Lantern. I'm good with it. Um, so I'm going to give it a C plus because it's, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Always the optimist. You know? Well, because, I, I mean, it, was, it basically checked all the boxes I was expecting for it to check with very few exceptions, you know. And in its genre, it's still one of the better big monster robot films. Um, we only have like four of those movies. So. No, not, not not monsters and robots, but like oh, those big okay. kind of films where you've got all the Transformers movies and Godzilla movies and you know, all that type of stuff. Independence Day. This this is still better than a lot of those. You know, if I could revise earlier ratings, Independence Day Resurgence, but I would have rated it lower. You know, okay. um, kind of thing. But in that movie, I got wrapped up a bit in the nostalgia. I think whereas. You know, do that. That happens cute. sometimes. I'm getting better at it. So C plus here. As far as as a third one goes, yeah. I mean, the odds aren't great. I'm gonna put the odds at sixty uh, percent. I'm gonna say sixty percent. I think if Del Toro comes back and Boyega wants to do it, it's gonna happen. Yeah, I'd agree it's... with that. But otherwise, dead in the water. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Now maybe they can do it cheaper because if they're gonna go to the um. The the aliens in the next yeah movie there shouldn't that, be any press or any uh, CGI no, but, needed for that. What I mean is you don't need the giant Jaegers at that point necessarily. You can do it a different way. You know who's going to well, see a Pacific Rim movie without Jaegers? Well, I'm you just don't need a location it. either. You can do everything right. on this like made up planet, and it can look however you want. Right. So there's like. there's some flexibility there. I think if that's the direction they really want to go with it, it's possible. So. All right. Well, we would love to know what you guys thought of Pacific Rim Uprising and any of the news that we talked about today. Don't forget that you can join us live Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central at twitch.tv slash heroes podcasts to talk to us live. Um, we are at Heroes Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, heroespodcasts.com, and you can get the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Blog Talk Radio, and Spreaker. Ryan, where can people find you? Buster Props, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, but I don't check it. So if you if you DM me, if you slip my DMs on Twitter, I don't know if I'll, you'll get a response. Sorry. Fair enough. Ray? I'm Siren Ray. Same as I was last week. Yeah. We're assuming that maybe we have some new listeners to this episode. <laughs> so I'm Siren Ray. Day. I'm a cosplayer and I'm on everything. There you go. And I am the Star Trek Dude. Thank you for tuning in. We will catch you all next week for our review of Ready Player One, the movie. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.